You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Hello and welcome to Line Noise. For this week's episode, Ma and I spoke to Singaporean songwriter and producer Yule, a non-binary cyborg entity who makes sparkling cyber pop. The interview took place at the Primavera Weekender in Yule Bungalow, uh, which they'd made up to look very Yule indeed. We talked about Donna Haraway's cyborg manifesto glitch feminism, Hikiko Mori, and more in what was a fascinating 20 or so minutes. I uh, hope you enjoy it, and many thanks to Rob Roman for his repair work on the audio. Hello, it is day two, the final day of the Primavera Weekender, and we are uh, very privileged to be uh, in one of the nicest chalets, I think, uh, which is befitting because we are with Yule. How are you? Hello. 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 <laughs> Hello. I, I wanted to ask you, is this the first time you're here in Spain? Um, well, no, you, you came to Primavera Sound. Yeah, I was, I was in... Uh, Barcelona for mm-hmm. Primavera in June, but uh, I, I I come to Barcelona a lot because I have a friend who uh, has an art studio in Barcelona, and it's a very very beautiful art space, and there's lots of creatives here, and Arca lives in Barcelona too, so a lot of my friends are out here, so I'm always in I'm always in Spain, but my Spanish is 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 not good. <laughs> Don't worry, we're not going to change the language to Spanish now, suddenly, after you said that. <laughs> so, but it's your first time doing, like, the Primavera Weekender, which is a little bit more weird and different than the actual festival. I so, like it, though. I like it. It's, it's Peter Pan-themed. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It's really cute. It's, like, medieval. Yeah, I like it. I like this kind of vibe. It's like a fever dream. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like it? I love it. You stay here as well? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Where, which room are you? I'm very close to yours, actually. Okay. So we can have a, a rave after okay. you finish. <laughs> your... Yeah, it's really fun to be here. And yeah, I love Spain. Um, I'm, always, I'm always in Barcelona, though. I'm playing a show in Madrid on Monday. And yeah, I just, I love the food. And I feel like everyone's a lot nicer here. I don't know, compared to London. Compared I, to London. Yeah, I live in London. I don't know. It's, it, the vibes are very nice here. Yeah, I saw a cat just now. There's a, a kittens, yeah. little ones. They're yeah. so cute. Yeah. yeah, it's really cute cat. <laughs> it's very, very pretty. But it was very scared of me <laughs> when I approached it. I was like trying to go. I, the cat lost an opportunity to meet you, so they're bad. Maybe we should get cat food. Yeah, let's grab some cat food. Let's steal a cat and take it to the yeah, I was trying to remember the name because you, you said you, you were influenced by uh, Donna Haraway's oh. A Cyborg oh, yes, Manifesto. Yes, well, what is it? Do you know Donna Haraway? I looked Donna Haraway up uh, just when you mentioned the name. She's an amazing, amazing American academic who wrote lots of essays in, in the 1980s and 1990s. And she's still actually doing a lot of seminars now. So she's very much like, I think she wrote, she coined the term cyborgian like myth, mythos, really. And I, I based a lot of my early university writings about the cyborgian self through Donna because I, like, I mean, I, I, I 
identify as non-binary. And I think it, like reading a lot of her writing really helped me understand a lot more about how I identify in, I know, in my own ways. I think like, just apart from the academic side of cyborgian theory, I think Donna Haraway is it's really amazing with her works with like, also talking about speciesism. Have you heard about that? It's basically, it's basically like sexism, but with species. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we have prejudice about certain species. Yeah, like um, like intellectual kind of like limitations between human consciousness and and animals as well. And I think that's really interesting because I love animals and I, I have a cat named Miso, Miso, and Miso is a very cute ginger cat. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like. You know, her, her writing about it is very interesting because we, we look at we look at animals and we look at human beings and we judge them by their like by by how much consciousness they have, you know. And I feel like it also carries over to like people who identify as non-binary mm-hmm. because I not only in through I, I mean I'm talking about I'm like oh, sorry, I'm like all over this today. <laughs> but basically I, I think like it like she gives a lot of she gives a lot of insight about identification and and how we relate to species and, and not just in species but through also gender and you know identity and that she really influenced me and in that way sorry if i'm speaking really soft but i'm like i'm i kind of lost my voice because i've been screaming for like four days straight on tour where have you been playing um so we started in berlin and then we played in prague and then we went to brussels Amsterdam, um, Paris yesterday, today Benidorm and Madrid tomorrow. Did we miss? Did I miss anything? No. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've just been doing my EU tour. You you mentioned uh, at university you were uh, oh, <laughs> very welcome. <laughs> um, you went to St Martin's, right? Yeah. To do fashion design. Uh, so I applied to CSM with two uh, options. I was going to do men's wear and women's wear, and then I was going to do fine art. And I got in for fine art, and I was really surprised because I, I started off as a painter, so I'm like oil painter, painted like portraits and stuff. So that was how I got into CSM uh, for my paintings and stuff, yeah. Do, do you find it was a place where you got lots of ideas that helped helped you to become yourself what you are today yeah i think so i mean i was really shy at uni i only made like a few friends um but but i met my best friend hebe who directed pocky boy music video and she's an amazing artist as well she's um, i know i'm not supposed to say this but she's releasing her next her ep like soon so i'm really excited about yeah she's starting her music thing but that's where i met my best friend and i met a couple um harris who's an amazing painter who did the artwork for my covers record. I met him there as well. And yeah, CSM was really great. I I really appreciate it. Like, I mean, I'm I'm a bit of like a, I, I do love studying. I think, you know, if I had a chance to do my master's, like if I had a scholarship, I would go back to school. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I get the impression, obviously I don't I don't know St. Martin's, but I get the impression that there are courses in which uh, your music would could be part of that. I mean, or would that work? 
Definitely, yeah. I mean, I started as a painter, but when I was at uni, I was doing a lot of installations and I kind of like graduated from painting a bit and moved on to installation and noise. And I was building pedals and I was like building, I, was, I built bots and stuff that like was sensitive to touch and cam like, you know, those PlayStation 4 cameras or like the Xbox Connect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically I was playing around with that a lot. And I was playing around with how that interacted with pedals and noise. And I integrated a bit of my music. I was getting a bit bored of like 2D work. I still love painting, but I think it's a great way to express. I think painting will always be my first love. But yeah, I did, I did kind of like do a lot more um, like sonic based installation stuff. But I'm a bit shy about it. There's some stuff on YouTube if you dig deep. But yeah. We're going to dig deep. <laughs> yeah. there's, one, there's one you can find. It's called Blue Noise. So I did this installation where I was basically sat at a site that I built, which was kind of like binaural. So um, I had a guitar and I used a violin bow on it and there was a butterfly lodged between the strings. And, and as I used like the power of like vibration and sound, it kind of set the butterfly free, but it was like a dried one. Cause I actually wasn't, in CSM, you actually, they, they have rules where you can't use like shit or dirt or livestock. Cause apparently someone got a really bad, like fucked up to, sorry, I'm how to swear. I'm sorry. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll try not to. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was like someone, I think like three years before me who got went blind because they had like actual like manure <laughs> in their installation. <laughs> I know it's really fucked up. And there was like, I was playing a lot of, um, playing with a lot of like metals and clay and in the workshops. And they would tell me horror stories about like how someone lost their, like their entire like two index finger and middle finger because they were casting something. I know it's, yeah, our world is kind <laughs> it's of, very it, it's very gory and, you know, you have to be careful because artists are very experimental. And I was doing a lot of stuff with dirt and I actually had to lie and say that it was like, okay, I'm sorry. I, okay, I don't, I don't usually lie. I don't usually lie, but like, I have to lie and say that it was like painted sand and it wasn't actually dirt. But yeah, they're really careful about that kind of stuff. But I couldn't bring a live butterfly in. Also, I feel like it'd be kind of cruel. So I, yeah, I, I, so I got this butterfly, which was kind of, you know, like preserved. Um, yeah. But I try not to use, you know, like insects or stuff in, in my setups. But I do love butterflies. Um, I actually um, learned how the process of like um, preserving them recently is really interesting. Mm -hmm. So you actually, you can buy them on the internet and you can um, preserve them, but you have to do it in a specific way. Um, it's, it's, it's very intricate. Like you have to like um, put them in moisture and then you have to bend the wings slowly so it doesn't fall apart. Um, but yeah, and I'm really into that. <laughs> Next project is a butterfly. Yeah, like. I, to, I feel like it's very cool. Yeah. They are really beautiful. And some of them are really like contagious. I was listening with my microphone. With the microphone. <laughs> and the and I, yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well. Sorry, you even get to hear. Thank you. I, I was thinking about what to do with my hair today, but nothing, now nothing. Nothing. Okay, I, I won't. It's so nice. <laughs> I love it.
Um, I wanted to, you have like obviously a deep love for animals, but also a deep connection with technology. Like it's obvious like the the relation with your work and, and technology as like a whole. I'm not going to say like the internet, or it's like technology. And how did you develop like this deep connection? Like um, in a sense that, that I, I know I'm not like going to make you like go deep, like just saying like, because when I was little, I had this, um, I don't know, video game or this, whatever. Or I used to be a lot in... <laughs> I, I didn't... What's it called? Doom. 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 Do you like Doom? I don't know. The video game Doom. <laughs> I don't know it. <gasps> it don't tell so me you're too young for Doom. That's not... Okay, that's not. I was born in 1997, but I, I know Doom. Doom. <laughs> I know that I'm okay. I'm obsessed with like really old games, mm-hmm. especially like the first ever MMO, first person shooter, which is Doom and Quake. Do you know Quake? Nope. <laughs> I know Quake, yeah. Did I, you ever have an SNES or like a. I used to play The Sims. Like, I'm that type <laughs> of girl. Okay. <laughs> I'm that type of girl that played The Sims and that's it. And I had a Nintendo thing. I'm really obsessed with like um, the history of gaming. And also, like, MMOs in general, because that's how I made friends when I was younger. And I, I was on this game called Maple Story a lot, and I was playing a lot of Final Fantasy Seven, Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy One and Two on the Game Boy, and I had, like, a PSP. I don't know whether you know it. It's a PlayStation Portable. <laughs> it's so aesthetic. Yeah. yeah, it's like I, I loved my PSP and my Nintendo DS. Yeah, and I played a lot of... Yeah, I made a lot of friends through gaming. Um, yeah. So, what's your question? <laughs> no, so I, I literally you wanted you to say, like, what? how did you start, like, developing this connection through it? Because I can imagine, because I'm also, like, internet obsessed, and it's because I spent a lot of the time when I was younger online. Yeah. So it's kind of this, but more video gamey version. I wanted to ask, if I may, just looking at my notes, um, you talked about uh, hikikomori, with apologies for pronunciation. No, it's okay. Um, what, what is that exactly, and why did it play a, a big role in, in your life? So, hikikomori is like, um, basically, it, it's a phenomena that I read about when I was like 14, because I was Googling my symptoms, uh, and I wanted to see whether there were people who were like me, were kind of like... So I basically became a shut-in when I was really young because I was really anxious about the outside world and stuff. Um, it's really dark, actually. But <laughs> um, I, it's basically like... I read about this phenomenon and it happens... I, mean, I think, obviously, it happens all over the world, I think, but it was first coined because it was a phenomenon that happened in Japan because there were lots of people who were just totally shut off from the outside like society. And they were just like never left a house. And that was me for like two months. And, you know, compared to these people who'd done it for like years. I, I mean, I did for like two, three months, but it still was a huge part of my life. You, you didn't leave the house for two to three months? Yeah, when I was 15, yeah. My mom had to leave food like, outside my door and I was just, I was, I was like, I missed a lot of school. Uh, I was lucky enough not to like have to repeat a year though, because I was doing a lot of my work at home. I had like, I don't know, it was a really rough time because I, I felt like I was dealing with a lot of like 
fantastical ideation about the internet and online stuff. And my world was on, because I never had friends in high school. Did you have friends in high school? Some. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It was really, like, now, I only have, like, maybe two people I'm just in contact with from high school. I only ever made real friends in uni. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to ask because um, we're uh, sometimes we, we film video, sometimes we, we take we take pictures, and, and we're we're not today, which is all good. But I want to what you're wearing is is amazing, and rather than let it pass, could you describe what what, what it is you're wearing? I'm I'm I'm, I'm in like a gorilla outfit <laughs> with <laughs> platform Rick Owens, and I've got slime all over me. <laughs> It is a hundred percent true. I can confirm this is the actual outfit. Yeah. <laughs> and you look like amazing. A lot of my enemies on my skin. I've got my Wi-Fi password like written on my forehead. By the way, do you have Wi-Fi? They said the Wi-Fi password was Robin Hood 15. But, but, but it doesn't work. Ah. <laughs> Uh, I think you have to. Th there is Wi-Fi, but it's, it's certainly my cabin. It's very bad. Yeah, I'm on my hotspot right now. I'm on the 5G. It's the medieval experience. I know. Uh, but, right, but, yeah, but, but you know, I actually get really triggered when there's no Wi-Fi. <laughs> I get really triggered when there's no Wi-Fi. Yeah, I know it's really bad. I was out in like the. I was out in nature because I wanted to have like a wholesome experience recently, mm -hmm. and like I couldn't take it. I needed. I needed Discord. I needed my, you know, my quiet 4chan time. When we finish, I'll try to set, set up Wi-Fi and you will thus become the most famous person I've ever set up Wi-Fi for. So <laughs> I'm quite pleased. <laughs> no, no, that didn't. So, okay. Um, maybe we can talk about Glitch Princess, which oh, is yeah. an amazing album. And I love it. And first of all, I wanted, like, maybe if you want to explain a bit like the aesthetic, like the concept you had in your head when creating the album and like the concept and conceptualizing everything. Uh, I, I wrote the first song, which is Fragments, like um, a bit after Serotonin 2 came out. So that was my first records. And then um, uh, I was, I don't know, I was going through a really rough time in my life because I was my first year of uni and I was, no, I didn't really have a lot of friends. I had like two friends and um, I was away from my family, obviously. And I was just, again, I had like a little moment where the internet was my entire thing. And I, I just was, I was really self-critical about like, you know, when you're an artist making music, I think you always want to one up your last record. And that's the struggle that a lot of musicians have, I think. Um, and I, I just kept on seeing all the flaws and, in, in my music and a lot of flaws in the way I live my life, yeah. Um, that was basically the epitome of the glitch, I think. You know, I, I do a lot of, I write a bit of code, Not I'm not that great, but I, I write a bit of code like in C plus and Python and a bit of JavaScript. And, you know, when I was writing some code for like, I was doing like mini games with my friends and like for an installation and there were just so many glitches and we would have like stuff written in the code being like, fix this later. Like, this is a glitch, do not, do not command, do not, don't use this command, but also 
it's really good if like you figure it out. So we would send it around to all our friends who write code and stuff. Yeah, like Jordan writes code too, my tour manager. So I was just talking about as well, like, you know, when you can't do a streamlined way of writing code. And I don't know, I think glitches were like a digital way of me, of like kind of expressing how I viewed flaws in the system. And I just sort of, the moment I realized that it was a beautiful thing to me, I, my life got a lot easier, you know, like just allowing like these, I had a really, I wrote music on a really bad computer at the time. I have a really good one now. <laughs> I have a 3080 and a dual 16 gigabyte RAM and stuff. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got, I've got like an AMG 3700X, so it's pretty good. But back then I was writing on like a MacBook. So like, you know, do you ever use Ableton? So Ableton, the door. Ableton, yes. Yeah. So, so basically the CPU goes crazy when you have like, a lot of um, VSTs on that use a lot of CPU. So I use Diva a lot, which is a synthesizer. And it was just messing up my entire songs. Like all my songs were like just like glitching. So I was like, glitches were just a huge part of my life. You know, it's like in my psychological state and in my computer, everything just carried over to like, but then I think every, like once you start to realize that ugly stuff is beautiful. Beautiful. You kind of makes it a lot easier to handle instead of being so critical. Yeah. I think that's a fairly lovely note on which to end. I'm, I'm sure you've got to. <laughs> Sorry, that didn't make any sense. It, it made, made loads <laughs> yes. of sense. Yeah. Actually, I was going to say there's a book called Bleed Feminism. I don't know. I read that. <laughs> so, um, do you know Kinselli, who writes for is it Dazed magazine? So I met them when they interviewed me and they actually were the ones who recommended that book. I actually have some criticism on that, but yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's a great, it's a great baseline on, on these theories, but I think it's definitely could be expanded on mm -hmm. if, if you're new to, to conceptual stuff based on that. Um, it's, it's a great like, you know, pointer, but I, I think, and I, I could write stuff in response to that. I don't know, but I'm, I'm a bit like, uh, try not to. But it's, it's a great, it's a great piece of literature, yeah. I, I would love to read your response to that. I've got a lot of essays um, that are like just going around in emails because my friends ask me for my essays at uni because I write a lot about, about um, cyborg theory and non-binary representation and stuff. Um, so it's really, it really interests me. I love writing. But I'm really shy about it because I write under my real name though, which is Natasha, but all my essays are under that. So people don't know it's you. <laughs> it's cool to have like this double, like the personification. Yeah, I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's great to have, you know, discourses. Mm -hmm. I think part of being an academic is like being interested in these kinds of conversations. I think it's really important to talk about conceptual stuff like this, especially in the modern age where things are really you know, complex. No, I don't know. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, uh, you. thank you so much, Yul. Thank you. Thank you.